Welcome to the Post-Narc Life Podcast. It's time to leave behind the narcissist narrative and build an amazing life that you love. You got through, but you're not done. We're going to build your next level of wealth, create healthy relationships, find deep self-connection to expand your unique impact on this world, and leave behind a legacy of love. I'm your host, Laura, by the way. I've been there. I get it. And I've got you. Let's go build your post-narc life. Hello, hello, and good morning. Hi, everyone. I hope you are having a beautiful day. It's December here in Houston. We're getting ready for gearing up for the Christmas season. And if you have been an avid listener of the podcast, first of all, thank you. And I love you. And second of all, I apologize for my month-long hiatus. It was an unexpected hiatus. Basically, an, uh, a tragedy, I guess, is what you could call it, or a loss I um, experienced back in the last week of October. We hadn't announced it yet, but we were pregnant with our fourth baby. And unfortunately, at around 10 weeks gestation, we lost the baby. So it's just been a time of grief and also a time of renewal and a time of just giving myself space to heal and love myself and grieve my loss. This is loss number five. So we've had three beautiful, perfect, healthy babies, and we've lost now five in the uh, miscarriage process. So varying levels of miscarriage. Sometimes it was six or seven weeks. Sometimes it was as late as 20 weeks. This one was 10. So this one was a little further along. It actually makes a big difference having experienced so many miscarriages. I mean, not that I've experienced the most. I know many people who have had way more than I have, but when this has happened multiple times, you start to kind of see some patterns and the six or seven weekers are, it's definitely a thing. It's an ordeal. You still have to birth the, the materials. <laughs> I, I'm trying to be as delicate as possible. This is, uh, can be a, a little weird talking about this, but, um, but yeah, so the, so the six or seven weekers, it's, it's definitely a lot different than a 10 weeker. And that's a lot different than a 20 weeker. And I haven't had any miscarriages past the 20 week mark. And I know many people who have, and it's, it's all its own type of loss. And this particular one for me was very traumatic body wise. So I lost a lot of blood and again, not to be too graphic or to get into too much detail, but there was quite a bit of at least more body trauma than I was used to. Usually when I miscarry, I'm able to pass through it relatively quickly and then I can move on with my life. But this one took a couple of weeks. It doesn't usually take that long and there was a lot of blood loss. And so I am still technically rebuilding my blood supply. Thankfully it wasn't, you know, too, uh, too bad. Obviously I wasn't, you know, hospitalized or needed transfusions or anything like that, but I got, I got pretty low. They, they weren't too worried about me, but they were like, yeah, we need to, we need to get you taken care of so that you don't lose any more blood. So they were able to help me with some medication and that helped, uh, to move things along. And as soon as everything was passed properly, I was able to recover 
or begin recovering pretty quickly after that. And so it's taken me about a month now to both emotionally and physically recover from that ordeal. And I've learned so many lessons. I have, I guess I just want to say that I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. And I, I can say that because the gratitude that I have for the losses I've experienced in my life only come after quite a bit of time of healing. So if you're going through a fresh grief or loss, I don't expect you to have this kind of attitude right off the bat, but I want to invite you to look at your losses in this way and to give yourself the grace and the time that you need for your brain to heal because you need to be physically healing. Yes. In my case, I needed to physically heal, but I also needed to emotionally heal and I needed to mentally heal. And there was a lot of healing to be done. Even though I've been through this many times, you know, it doesn't, I wouldn't say it gets better. Uh, I'm certainly a lot more resilient than I was the first time around. So that's pretty cool to experience. You know, I have this resiliency. I have this kind of grit, this kind of strength that I'd never had before. And I want to start with one of the most important lessons that I learned this time around actually happened before we lost the baby. So when I found out I was pregnant, I had been through a loss or multiple losses prior to that, um, prior to that moment, but I'd also been through a lot of successes. So I've had three successful babies and the baby that passed, who was a 20 weeker, she was obviously, that was one of the biggest losses I'd ever experienced, but it was also one of the most profoundly spiritual experiences, profound way of really bringing myself to a new level of understanding, of maturity, of grief management, of self-love, of family love. I mean, there was just so much I learned from that experience. And it really galvanized a lot of things about me as a person that, you know, changed me forever going forward. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm never going to experience sadness if I ever have a loss, but I knew going into this pregnancy, right? So I had, I had the loss. This was in 2018. We named her Ember. She's our sweet little Ember. She passed when I was 20 weeks. And then in 2020, I gave birth to a live, healthy, still alive, wonderful, (laughs) amazing, sweet little girl, Debbie. She's actually in the background right now. So if she comes up and interrupts, you'll know (laughs) what's going on there. But, um, she is perfect and amazing and beautiful. And it was so wonderful to be able to experience both a loss and a success that I'm able to really understand in my mind, okay, I see how this works. And as opposed to, so for example, when I was pregnant with Dovey, I had a lot of anxiety about it and I got coached on it multiple times, which was really amazing. And the coaching was actually so transformative and helpful but that basically this pregnancy, we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know what's going to happen, but I noticed that my brain wanted to blame me and it also wanted to have tons of anxiety about it every single day. It wanted to imagine the worst case scenario. And during Dovey's pregnancy, I made a conscious choice and I said, I absolutely acknowledge that I lost the baby prior to this one and that that could be a possibility that's happening now but I'm working with my doctors. I am choosing to decide that no matter which way this pregnancy goes, I'm going to enjoy 
every day and I'm going to imagine a healthy baby on the other side of this. I'm just going to imagine that. Every time I feel anxiety, every time I feel scared that I might lose this baby, even if it's true that I lose this baby, I'm going to consciously choose to imagine a healthy, happy, beautiful, alive baby in my arms on a regular basis. And what this did is it taught my brain to relax. It taught my brain to focus on another possibility. When we look at possibilities, when we're afraid that something might happen, our brain is trained and I don't even know if it's conditioned. Honestly, I think it's just wired this way. We just kind of, this is our automatic programming. We automatically assume the worst case scenario. And this is not a problem because assuming worst case scenario is actually really good for survival purposes, right? If you see a tiger running at you, worst case scenario, he's probably going to eat you. So you really should prepare for that. And and you should probably run as fast as possible and get yourself out of there. Right. But the reality is, is that we don't know the future and there are infinite numbers of possibilities that could happen. Are there things that are more likely to happen? Of course, absolutely. We can kind of take that into account. But the reality is that there is an infinite number of possibilities. We don't know the future. And we have just as much power to focus on a different possibility as we do to focus on the worst case possibility. So in this, in this particular case with Dovey, I chose to imagine the best case scenario just to give my brain a break, just to give my brain a moment to relax and to enjoy. And it ended up working out beautifully. And that was really, really great. But if it hadn't, at least I still would have given my brain a break and I would have been able because you really, you cannot control the outcome in this situation. Not really. You can do the best you can to support your body. You can get prenatal care. You can, you know, predict as much as possible. I think I took, you know, supplements like progesterone and things like that, but we had no true answers for why the previous loss had happened, why we lost Ember at 20 weeks. It just happens. And we even got uh, autopsy done and we, we got the, the tests run and there wasn't anything that was conclusive. And so we, when you're working with limited information like that, your brain really wants to find something to blame. And my brain wanted to blame me and my eating habits and my exercise habits and things like that. When in reality, I don't know if that was really a, a contributing factor. It might be, certainly you want to support your body during a, a thing like pregnancy, But I noticed that those were the two things. My brain wanted to blame me and my brain wanted to focus on the worst possible uh, scenario. And so I made a conscious choice to not do those things. I'm not going to blame myself. I'm not going to use the absence of a conclusive reason to blame something because that's just me trying to get control, right? You trying to blame someone, including yourself, is really about trying to get emotional control over the situation, to tell your brain, your brain wants to have something to rely on so that it feels like it can affect the future possibility. It can, it can really rely and rest in the fact that, well, I know what happened. I understand why. So I'm just going to do this thing. And that's just not reality. Most of the time we, we don't always have all the answers and that's very difficult And, uh, it's, it's, it's difficult and hard for the brain to do that. And so that's the invitation is to allow your brain to feel the discomfort of not being in control and not knowing what to do. And then also making a conscious choice to spend at least some time in the best case scenario. And so that's what I did with this pregnancy. 
we, we found out we were pregnant, I think in August of 2022. So we're in December now. So we were so excited and we got the positive pregnancy test and it was just very exciting. It was very sick. <laughs> it was very, <laughs> and it was crazy because I just started the podcast. I'd rebranded and I was trying to work and <laughs> produce content and, and build my business while also feeling like I had to throw up, you know, most of the time and the fatigue and all of that stuff. And it's real, man. The body during pregnancy is going through such an ordeal and a good ordeal. It's, it's amazing what the body can do, but your blood volume is doubling. You know, you're feeling sick all the time. You're, you're tired. It's there's just, well, at least for me, I know some people who have pregnancies that don't have those types of symptoms and that's awesome. And for me, that's just, wasn't the case this time around. Um, although with Dovey, I did, I was pretty sick and tired the first I would say first half of the pregnancy, but the second half of the pregnancy was amazing. I had so much energy and I felt really, really good. And anyway, so I went into this pregnancy not knowing the outcome and I made conscious decisions on a somewhat daily basis to imagine the best case scenario and to really have this attitude of, I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is that I am pregnant today and this baby, I get to be with this baby today. I get to be this baby's mother for as long as I get to be this baby's mother. And for those of you who are religiously inclined, that's another thing that also provided a ton of support and comfort and peace for me. You know, I believe that God is in charge, that God knows all things. I believe that God sees our entire lives in one picture. I believe that he exists outside of linear time in the way that we experience linear time. And I know that he knows what's going to happen and what has happened and all of those things all in one. And so I can trust that there's a plan. I can trust that there is someone else above me outside of my awareness that knows what's going on and will absolutely use this experience, all my experiences for good and for bad, all of these experiences will be used and turned into something that will serve me later on in life or even in the present moment. And we don't have to have all of that all at once. But for me, it really helps me get through the day to day. And I experienced very little anxiety about the loss of this child. And it was a really great time while I was pregnant for those 10 weeks to feel connected to my baby, to feel connected to the pregnancy, to look forward to a future day and to feel trust and to feel peace and to just feel love for the baby in the present moment. Cause that's all I have. That's all any of us has with anyone that we love. We don't know when someone that we love is going to be lost. We don't know how long we have on this earth. And so what we have is the present moment. And if in the present moment, your brain is trying to take you to the worst case scenario, especially when it comes to people that you love and experiences that you're trying to have, you can show your brain, Hey, I get it. That is a possibility. But right now, everything is the way that we want it. I do have a baby who's healthy, who's moving around. It was such a blessing. I feel like we had gotten an ultrasound a few days before we lost the baby. We had no idea that we were going to lose the baby. And I had started a little bleeding and I wasn't, I wasn't concerned, but I was, you know, let's just get this checked out just to make sure. And we went in, we got an ultrasound and we saw a healthy, happy baby who had a 190 heartbeat or 100, 
80, I don't remember. And I could see that little baby moving around in there on that ultrasound. It was beautiful. We got little pictures. And then it was about 48 hours that we, we started the, the loss process. And it was really sad. You know, it was like, but also really amazing that I could see my baby alive before I had to go through the path, the, the path of losing the baby. That to me, uh, in my faith, we call that a tender mercy, <laughs> um, a, a little blessing, a little, a little gift that I may not, may not have had otherwise, you know, it, it was just really, really special. And I can hold on to those little gifts throughout, but that doesn't mean that I felt that way all the way through. I think when we were going through the loss, it was, it was really sad. I allowed myself to be sad. I allowed myself to feel the loss. I allowed myself to cry. I helped myself cry by watching really sad movies. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I just love movies and I love TV and they really help to bring up emotions that I am resisting when I need to process them. So one of my favorite movies is Steel Magnolias. Oh my goodness, y'all. I grew up in the South. I grew up in Louisiana and Steel Magnolias is is uh, based on a Louisiana town. I don't think it's real. I think it's fictional. Anyway, you've got Sally Field and you've got Dolly Parton and you've got Julia Roberts and it's just one of the best movies of all time in my opinion and it beautifully navigates grief and life and processing through a terrible, terrible loss. Sally Field um, really nailed it in her performance. But also what was really fun about watching through this movie, uh, again, after I, it's been several years since I've watched it, but watching it through as not only a mother, but also a daughter, both of those roles that I now have in my life, I was able to really connect with the mom as a mom who lost a daughter, but I was really able to connect with the daughter who had a complicated relationship with her mom. I mean, that's just right. Who doesn't have a complicated relationship with their mom? If you're listening to this podcast, you've got a complicated, really complicated relationship with your mom, probably. And if you know, that's fine too. <laughs> but, but it was so beautiful to really witness that and to see myself in Julia Roberts, but also to see myself in Sally Field's performance. And I just, I was able to experience so much catharsis while watching that movie. And I'm so grateful for that. And I was able to really process a lot of my loss. So whatever helps, right? Whatever, whatever gets you going <laughs> in the, in the emotional work of processing. You know, for me, I can be very resistant to emotional processing. My brain doesn't like it. It's not fun. I mean, I, that's probably not just me. I'm sure that's a lot of us. <laughs> We are not wired to be willing to go through lots of pain, right? And emotions can feel very painful. But when you really allow yourself to go through them, it actually can be a very beautiful experience. It doesn't have to be painful, but it can be very intense. You know, it's a, it's a wave of intensity that, that's in your body. And they've actually done a really cool thing. I don't know. I'm, I'll try to I'll try to post it in the show notes if I can find it, but they, they've done this study where they did like MRIs or CT scans or some sort of like body heat scan for people who are feeling specific emotions. And you can actually see the body heat where your body heat is going when you're feeling specific emotions. So like when you're feeling love, your whole body is like warm and like glowing. And when you're feeling anger, you have a lot of body heat in your adrenals and your chest and your head. And when you're feeling sad, there's a lot of heat like in your throat and your head and your chest. Anyway, it's really, really cool to see that 
emotions really do show up in the body in a powerful way. And it's not a problem. It's a beautiful thing. It's part of being human. Humans have this amazing emotional component to life. And we have beautiful emotions and difficult emotions and we have heavy emotions and we have light emotions. And these emotions are about fueling the actions in our lives to create the results that we want. But they are also in response to all of the experiences that we have in life. And it's so amazing just to, just to know that your body is managing it. There's no emotion that your body can handle. It's so true. If your body is, if you are struggling with an emotion, your body can handle it. And the one thing that I did not mention in the previous podcast about getting out of emotional pain, one of the more emotionally painful emotions that you're going to experience that I didn't mention in the last podcast is resistance. So resistance is an emotion. Resistance is an action. Resistance is a thought. It's a, it's kind of all of those things. And our, like I was mentioning earlier, our brains are wired to avoid pain. That's the motivational triad to seek pleasure, avoid pain and be efficient. We can talk about that in another episode, but those are the three main things that our brains are wired to do, which can sometimes be conflicting, right? We talked about that in another episode, um, or maybe it's the same episode. I think it was the same episode about getting out of pain. So the most motivational triad of being wired to get out of pain, but also to seek pleasure, but also to be efficient, right? Sometimes they can be conflicting. And so when your brain is trying to process an emotion out because you are having thoughts or you're having experiences or you're, you're going through trauma, your brain is also wired to be like, no, 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 we don't experience pain. That's, we need to seek pleasure, not feel pain. And as you do that over and over and over again, it becomes efficient. Your brain seeks efficiency by making habits, by creating neural pathways that make it so that it's the automatic default thing that your brain does. And so sometimes when we haven't been taught to process our emotions, our default is resistance and resistance really compounds the uh, sensation that you're having when you have these emotions and resistance looks like a tightening in your chest. Resistance feels like there's like a wall there. It feels like a, like a, like you're static, like you're not moving. It feels like, gosh, it's hard to describe resistance, but I think you understand what I mean. (laughs) because resistance is about forcing yourself not to feel it's about avoiding the emotion and not allowing the emotion to come through. And the danger of when you do that is as you resist and resist and resist, and you don't allow yourself to process the, the emotion is real. The emotion is there. It's in your body. It's in your tissues. And when you resist or avoid you, you literally shove it down. You literally shove it into your cells and your cells store this information and it stores the emotion. And this is why traumas stick around for years at a time and it doesn't process out and you carry that emotion with you. It it doesn't have anywhere else to go, but inward. If you don't allow it to process out, it's going to be shoved in. There's a really good book called the body keeps score that talks about that. And you can kind of check that out. But the, the emotion is an energy, but it's also a, a body process that's carried. So the energy is carried by the processes of the body. So there's cells, there's um, hormones, there's, there's bodily fluids, there's, there's systems happening in your physical body to process your emotions that are happening. 
they carry the energy. And when you don't allow your body to process that out, it has to go somewhere and it goes deep into your tissues and deep into your subconscious. And it creates more of the thing that you're trying to avoid, which creates this sort of spiral in your life. It creates more results that you don't want, which, you know, creates more thoughts about your experiences, which creates more emotion. And it just keeps going. Trust me, I know because I've experienced this. This is this is something I have a lot of <laughs> experience with. And so uh, these miscarriages that I've had, these losses that I've had have been beautiful and amazing experiences for me to practice experiencing processing the loss out because it's so massive. I mean, it's just a massive loss for me. And I'm able to practice that that process of processing them out. And so that's my invitation to any of you dealing with any loss there's so much loss out there and it just keeps coming. <laughs> like it just doesn't end. That's another thing that I was processing this month, this last month in November, end of October, November, is that I just feel like these losses just don't stop. You know, I, I've, this is loss number five, baby number five. And I lost my mother just a year and a half ago in a traumatic way. You know, it's, it's crazy. It's like, is this ever going to stop? And the answer is no, <laughs> because I'm going to try to get pregnant again, likely in the next year or so. I'm going to give myself some time, not certainly not anytime soon, but, but maybe in the next year or so, I'll probably get pregnant again. And I'm probably going to, I'm going to put myself in harm's way in this sense. I'm going to expose myself again to this type of loss. Now, am I just going to go willy nilly? No, I'm going to actually go to a doctor. I'm going to get checked out. I'm going to test some things. I'm going to try to do the very best I can to prevent this in the future. But there, there is a possibility we won't have answers. There is a possibility that it will not turn out, but there's also a possibility that it will. There's a possibility that there's another child coming to our family that they're, I don't want to say destiny. I don't really believe in destiny, but it's, but it's their path in life. It's their plan to live longer, to be born and to have a successful birth. Just like it's Dovey's plan for that. Just like it's my other son's plan for that. Just like it was my plan. I was, uh, I was reading in my mom's journal. My mom left amazing journals and in, uh, <laughs> in, uh, November and Christmas time of 1985, my mom wrote in her journal about how, you know, I, I, I went to this activity today and I started feeling really sick. I started feeling really, really nauseated. And I don't know what's going on. And this was literally right after she got married to my dad. It was so funny. I was like, yep, that's me. It was fun to read. And it was my path in life to have a healthy pregnancy and to be born and to live my, you know, 36 years so far. And hopefully I will continue to live for many more years. That's my plan. That's my plan. I don't know what the actual plan is, but I'm going to do my best to live as if I am going to live for a long time because we just don't know. We might as well live in that space. And of course, do the best we can to be as safe as possible and to make as, you know, do as much precautions as possible to live anyway. So it is the possibility that my next child's plan in their life is to continue to live. And so I want to stay in that space as much as possible, doing everything I can to prevent loss as much as I can. Then also preparing myself with the attitude of, I don't know the plan for this child. I don't know the outcome for this pregnancy, but I do know that I am pregnant today and I can connect with my baby today. I am not pregnant today. I want to emphasize that in real time as of December, 2022, I am not pregnant, <laughs> but when that time comes, that's the attitude I will have. And that, that creates so much more, uh, peace, sorry, so much more peace 
and so much more connection and love and will help me move through my life so that I'm not bogged down with tons and tons of anxiety about what could happen that I have no control over. And that's my invitation to you that what, whatever it is that you are subject to there, we are, we are subject to so much loss. There's so many people that we love. There's jobs that we have. There's things that are going on in our lives that could be taken from us. And we don't have a whole lot of control over that. We have some, but not a hundred percent. And a lot of times our brain wants to stay in the anxious anxiety place, but anxiety is just experience. It's, it's your brain trying to experience loss ahead of time. And that's not possible. Trust me. I've done both. I've experienced loss ahead of time and I've experienced keeping myself in the best case scenario possibility. I've done both. And the loss afterward is still the same. There's still the same amount of loss that you experience. Your brain experience loss ahead of time does not save you from loss in the future. It just doesn't. So you might as well (laughs) love on yourself and give yourself peace and comfort by keeping your brain in the place of best case scenario possibility, at least, at least half the time, your brain is not going to be a hundred percent in best case scenario. That's just not reality. That's okay. But if you give, as my as my coach Brooke says, if you're going to give five minutes of anxiety, you're going to allow your brain to have five minutes of anxiety in worst case scenario, then at least give yourself five minutes of best case scenario, just, just so that they have equal air time or more. You can give more to the best case scenario, but at the very least, at least even at least the same amount so that you give your brain a break. And so that you're not constantly in an anxious, an anxious, anxious place. So that's, that's the fresh grief that I have been managing. And so those are the lessons. So the lessons that I had before were the lessons that I had already had from previous losses and bringing it into this new loss and how that helped me to have a beautiful experience while I was still pregnant. And then as I was in the process of the loss, allowing my body to process, giving myself help to process, if I notice that I'm in resistance and usually sad movies are really good tool for that, you know, use whatever tool, you know, is available to you. It's, it's perfect. (laughs) And then, and then also giving myself space and time because your body needs space and time to process through losses with my mom. I needed months and months a lot longer than I expected that I needed. Uh, I couldn't really work for at least four or five months. I I was able to do some calls here and there, but I basically kind of just did absolute bare minimum for work in my business, for work in my life. I had so many people come and help and they helped clean and they helped do meals and it was just amazing. And, uh, but I still needed so much time for my brain to heal because my, my mind, I think you've, probably listened in previous podcasts had done so much. I wouldn't say it was re-traumatizing itself, but it was trying to make sense of the loss. And as a result, my brain created thoughts and also visions. Well, not visions, but, um, you know, just scenarios in your brain, like where you can see a visual of what was happening, right? It, it created that for me to help me make sense of it, but it also created a lot of trauma on top of the trauma I'd already been experiencing. And so just giving my brain time to just do its thing, like this is how it needed to make peace with this tremendous loss 
of losing one's mom, especially to, to suicide. That was just, I mean, it's sometimes I, I still think about it and sometimes it, it, the, the emotion still comes up, but I, as of now, uh, about a year and a half out in March, it'll be two years. Uh, I do feel so much more peace. I do feel like I can manage my life, that it's not coming up every five seconds. I feel like, like I've made peace with what has happened. I feel like I've been able to let go and allow what happened to have happened. I think a lot of what creates so much hardship for us during the loss is that cognitive dissonance of that resistance to reality of, I wish it wasn't this way. Why does it have to be this way? I wish I could have done something different. If I had done something different, it would have been a different outcome. All these things that our brain does to try to fight against reality, my brain was doing. And and it's totally normal and natural that your brain does that. There's nothing wrong with your brain that it does that. It's just trying to come to terms with the new reality that was very sudden and there was really no preparing for it. You know, and that took me many, many months, I would say, in fact, over a year at least to give my brain that space to come to that place of understanding and peace with that reality. Now, with this loss, it's definitely not been that on that scale. And so I can tell you with pretty fairly confident or confidence that I feel very much at peace with the outcome. I feel like that loss for me was beautifully processed out. And I, because of all the other losses that I've had in this respect, I'm a little bit more resilient. I was able to move through it a lot, a lot quicker than, um, than in the, than in the past. And I am back, back at it, right? I'm, I'm here. In fact, this week, my goal is to do a podcast every day this week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, releasing a new podcast because I have so much to say and I've had all of these things in my mind the entire time, but that the wherewithal (laughs) to actually show up to the mic, to the computer, do the editing, create the content around all of this is, is a whole nother beast. And so (laughs) the the content was there in my brain and, and I was developing it, but the actual ability to create it and put it out into the world is something else entirely. So I am able to do that now and I feel really good. And thankfully I can do that because I was able to process. Another lesson that I wanted to emphasize here is the attitude of being all in, in the sense that like you are, you're here for all of it. You're here not just for the successful pregnancies. You're here for all of it. You're here for the good. You're here for the bad. You're here for when things go terrible. You're here for things when things go great. You're here for the success. You're here for the fail. You're here for all of it. That's definitely one of the attitude shifts that I have had that have made such a powerful impact on all the things I'm trying to create, not just a family. And it's, I'm also trying to create a business and I'm also trying to create a good life and good friendships and lots of things in my life that I really, really want to have. And there's, for a long time, (laughs) there's just been a sense of resistance to all the bad things, kind of like what we've talked about. There's that resistance to that simply because we're wired to not want bad things in our lives. But if you decide, if you go into your life, into your day, every single day, I'm here for all of it. I'm here for when 
it rains on me while I'm trying to get my groceries. I'm here for when, you know, <laughs> my oil needs to be changed at the same time that the tires need to be rotated at the same time, right? Like you're here for when things go bad, even if they go bad all at once, even if only one thing is go bad and everything else is going great, you're here for all of the successes and all of the failures. I think that is you showing up to the full experience of life because the full experience of life is unavoidable. <laughs> you, you can't just always go for the successes and never have failures in your life. That's just not real. It's just not available. It's okay. Sometimes you're going to fight with your husband. Sometimes you're going to fight with your mom. Sometimes you're going to forget all of your lessons, forget all of your mindset shifts that you have in the coasting process, and you're going to lose it on someone, or you're going to be totally out of control emotionally, or who knows? Sometimes it will happen. If you are in for all of it, then it won't come as such a shock to your system. Certainly there will be an emotional response to hard things that happen. Absolutely. But if you go into every day being like, I'm ready for all of it, let's go. It's going to be great. I thankfully had such an amazing experience a few weeks ago. I was able to go to Arizona for an event that my coach Brooke Castillo did called Life Coach Live. And I'm certified through the Life Coach School. So she's my main coach. She basically changed my life and continues to do so. It's incredible, but she made it so that I can do what I do. And this particular event, I honestly was going into it with some low expectations. Not that I had any reason to, I think Brooke is amazing and I love her events and I had a great time at the mastermind back in April in Austin. And so this event, it was going to be a great time for me to meet new people and enjoy all of the wonderful things that coaches talk about and how they uplift you. But no, this experience was utterly life-changing. It was like all the coaching I'd ever had on steroids in a th packed three-day event. And of course, I did meet tons of amazing people. So that was really, really good. And I had an amazing time. And I was able to hang out with uh, past clients there, which was awesome. Anyway, my point is, I really experienced what that looks like in real time when I was able to watch Brooke on stage, there was a lot of things that went wrong. <laughs> Mics weren't working, you know, things kind of didn't go as planned. Music started playing randomly, you know, and shocked everybody. It was really funny. And obviously there was so much more right that happened, but every once in a while there was like a delay or, you know, something wasn't right with the mics or something like that. And Brooke was so amazing. I was able to see how she was like, yeah, I'm here for all of it. Let's go. It's totally fine. Do we need another marker? Do we need to get someone else to get the mic? She was so patient. She was so open to what was happening and she wasn't blaming anyone. She wasn't getting angry with anyone. She was just like, yeah, this is what happens. Crap happens. We're humans. We're in an imperfect world. It's just life. I'm here for all of it. We're still going to have an amazing, magical time. And we're going to change lives and amazing things are going to happen, regardless of whether or not this mic is working right now. We'll make it happen. It's not a problem. And it was just such a cool thing to see that in real time. You know, she's really created uh, an incredible gift to this world and I benefit from it. And because of what I have learned from her and other coaches and, and other mindset work and other self-help books that I've read, all these people putting their 
magic and their wisdom into the world has benefited me, which has benefited my clients. And we are making an impact on the world, all of us, and the work that you do in your own life, the thoughts that you have, the emotions that you have, the losses that you process lay the foundation for a lot of work to be done that can impact the world. If you want to, some of us, me, I'm very ambitious and I, I'm very, I think big and I, I want to impact the world in lots of ways. And I want to help a lot, a lot of people. I want to build a massive multi-million dollar business. That's my goal. Not everyone has that goal and that's okay because the impact that you have on your circle, on your inner circle and on yourself is still so tremendous. Don't underestimate the impact that your ability to manage your thoughts and to look at your thoughts and to process out your griefs is going to have on the trajectory of your life. It's truly, truly magical. So I want to support you in this work. So today's episode, we talked about processing fresh grief and what that looks like in real time. And then tomorrow I want to talk about the importance of having the responsibility of managing your thoughts. It's one of the main things that was my takeaway from that event a couple of weeks ago. And I was fresh off of uh, a grief. I was able to go, thankfully, I was physically able to go. It was still a little bit of a challenge. I'm still building up my endurance because my blood supply takes about three months for the blood supply to fully be functional the way that it was. So it it was a little challenging in that respect, but thankfully I didn't have to do a ton of like cardio or anything, but it was, it was really great experience. And that was one of the biggest lessons from that event. And I want to share that with y'all tomorrow. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode and there's so much more coming this week. We have a lot to discuss and lots of things coming up in the world of coaching with me. So be on the lookout for that. I will see you tomorrow. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the post Arc Life podcast. I hope it was transformational for you. I want to invite you, if this has resonated with you, to work with me. I offer one-on-one coaching to really get into the nitty-gritty of your life. You can do this. You can create the life you want. It's available to you. And if you want support to help you reach those goals, I am here for you. Go to laurabytheway.com to find out how to work with me. We'll set up a call. We'll discuss your goals and we'll see how you can have the life that you want. See you soon.